everyone, and welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm James Anderson, one of your hosts. And I'm Colin Parker, your other host. On this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, until we catch up with that goddamn train. No, I'm kidding. We're going to go way <laughs> past that. We're going until the end of time. Exactly, Colin. And um, got another short one for you. Um, okay. Here we got Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. 7.02, mm-hmm. which is a weird way of, it is how I write it, but season seven, episode two, uh, start at 22.30, end at 23.02. That is a 32 second uh, scene. And here's what happens. The Chronicoms have arrived where Malik, Shaw, and Mackenzie ditch their car. They realize that the three men escaped via train. They go over their mission and say that one, that once they deal with Malik, those that follow them to 1931 will be out of time. And I will say that in the MCU wiki, there's a comma between 1931 and will be out of time, which would is grammatically not correct, but is definitely dramatically incredibly correct. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's literally uh, two dudes looking at where someone isn't anymore. It's, you know, take a right at where the red barn used to be. Um, so hmm. that Back is... Back to my hunch, you know. That's what it feels <laughs> like. It feels like just bad police work, right? I mean, specifically, like, for them, like, they know what they're doing and, like, they're having this little side conversation. There's all those cops in the background. who are It's like, what are they doing? Why are they yeah. not going? Like, how do they not get out and go, mm, okay, I can see that this is the abandoned car. There's nothing left in it. They had to have hopped the train. Let's get after it. No, they continue and, to stand around. And in 1931, you and I both know they weren't processing any sort of scene. No. They, they were, like, pissing in the car just because that's a place to piss. And in 1931, it was just like... They were planting evidence. That's probably what they were doing. They were going, well, let's just go ahead and slip some in here just in case they come back for the car. Just, and we have some just the SOP. On. Just plant something... Look, it probably won't come of anything, but just plant something just in case. Yeah, you never know. We might get a we might get a bonus for meeting the quota for the for the year. You know, right, it's so, oh, go ahead. Oh, I just I I have a, just a point of conversation, but please let's 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 oh, finish. Yeah, no, I was gonna say it. It I know I probably bring them up too often. Uh, I had a ex who used to anytime I would pull this card, she would just go always with the Mulaney with you. Uh, but it does make me think of when they were talking about back before they understood DNA and like fingerprints Yeah, and they'd be like, they'd be like, Hey detective, here's a full pool of blood from the, uh, from the killer. It's out here in the hallway. And they go, Hmm, gross, clean it up. Right? Like, <laughs> and that's where the, now back to my hunch line, line came from. Cause like, you know, they're like, Hmm, what can I do? I know I'll outline the body in chalk. That way I'll know where the body was. It's like, all that yeah. kind of stuff where they're like, that'll definitely tell me exactly what I need. Hmm. I have one question. Okay. And it's going to come in the form of uh, like three questions, but it's basically one question. Oh, so it's like a convention panel question. Kind of. You know, yeah, when exactly. you know it's when more of a like, statement. When they're like, hey, w- remember, we got to move it along. So one question, they're like, it is one question, but it's kind of in the form of three. And everyone's like, okay. So it's three questions. I have, I have only one question, given this fairly short scene. Okay. What positive things have Cain and Abel brought to this Chronicot mission? Wouldn't it have been easier and more stealthy to have just one guy going after Freddy? Also, why don't they know about this woman? Is her anonymity in these episodes an indication of why they wouldn't seek her out and face erase her? So I guess it's two questions. But mostly the main question is, 
there's two dudes standing looking at where a train once yeah, was. Yeah, no, you're right. Why isn't it just one guy? And also, why isn't that guy the mysterious woman who doesn't have a name or an identity and could just as easily be a Chronicom? <laughs> I think that you're bang on the money, right? The big thing here is that her like contribution, stuff like that, is so underknown. Like, I think the idea is that they don't have any information on right. how he gets to the thing. Right. It's just simply that they know who he is and they have to track sure. him down. Sure. So I think that there's a lot of like, I mean, another big thing for them is like they they are pieces of technology and stuff like that, right? And they've been gathering all this information, right, over yeah. however long. Uh, yeah. But then they go back in time and now it's like, how do they access any of that, right? Like, you know, is it just sure. stored within them? You know, where right. do they do things? And also like they are also now dealing with the same technological advancements of right. 1931 as the others well, are. Well, like yeah. I, I, yeah, correct, correct. And I think that the big thing is that although they want to change time, they can't just walk in and like pull out a alien blaster because <laughs> that changes time in a completely different way. Sure. Uh, and actually sure. could still undermine what their mission is, right? Because if they come out just as robots instead, you know, and they're like, they're like, you know, fuck the whole, like, you know, taking on the form of someone else. We're going to go find Freddy, shoot him, boom, we're done. Right. <laughs> but if suddenly a metal man starts walking down the street and everyone's like, hi, there's an extraterrestrial issue. We need some sort of governmental, you know, <laughs> oversight. Some sort of like protective right. armor. We need like around the world. We need some sort of like idea. Peace in our time. That, yeah, exactly. That, you know, people could come together. This... I don't know, maybe take the initiative and just, <laughs> you know, really protect us. You know, there is an AI that uh, I'd like to talk to you about, and it's called the Avengers Initiative. Um, <laughs> Interesting. I thought you were going with Jarvis. I was like, that's way too advanced. Right. You meant AI meaning Avengers Initiative, not artificial intelligence. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um. So, okay. So I'm, I'm totally on board with no one knows this woman existed. She's a missing link. She's a she's mm -hmm. a link in the chain that we didn't know. That's fine. Why are there three of them? Is it, I think that that is specifically. And why do they stick together? <laughs> no, that's a that's a good question. I think that they they could have split up for sure. Right. Right. I also think though that they are there in numbers because Shield is in numbers. Okay. If you have just one guy, so like Luke, short sure, Luke is the most competent. Right. Right. But the situation here is that if he had to get into a situation where suddenly all seven people are just there, he's going to go, okay, well, a little outnumbered, a little outgunned. Right. Going to have to turn around, going to have to run, right? That's going to be his situation. He's going to be like, got to make another jump, go to another time and just hope that they right. don't know how to follow me, right? Like they have to be in numbers specifically because S.H.I.E.L.D. has numbers. Now, I ain't gonna lie to you, the boys done and messed up. They went off on a tangent and just derailed the entire show. Let's get back on track, shall we? Tangents. You know what's a fun thing that happens to us sometimes that huh. I really enjoy and doesn't really happen with many other people? Maybe Daniel sometimes. When we're both playing the game, mm -hmm. I love that. I especially love when I'm not 
entirely sure what the game is but i know that we're both playing it. <laughs> yes i agree i think the same thing because i was like i'm not 100 sure what we're actually aiming for but we're gonna get to something maybe that statement will be something right there might be some substance yeah. there right but the other thing that we could do is, is we could both just say a couple things neither of them track and then we just go yep okay yep that's well, it yep. yep all right well, that, um oh, oh, oh. i guess it just feels like they get they they do cops so that they have access, but it, I don't know. This feels like a strategy that they could have done better. Because like, if I mean, Freddy is the target, why wouldn't they do like a someone that wasn't a like someone that was just a, a a speakeasy patron? Okay, so here's my thoughts on that. Okay. One, they don't know what the password is. Oh, yep. Two. Uh, they, again, they need to, they need to really be kind of as potentially as inconspicuous as possible in a way, which I realize you're going to say is being a cop inconspicuous. But the thing is, is that cops, they stick together. They don't question each other, mm-hmm. especially back then. Like although, still now. Yeah. Like they, they, like they, if someone of their kind gets thrown out of a kitchen, they right. don't stop to go, wait, is this a real cop or is this a robot? They go, someone threw our cop brother through that door. Let's pull out our guns and just, you know, shoot first, ask questions later. Right. So that's what they're doing. They're dishing out justice. And that's, I think, another reason why they choose cops here. Right. Is that they get there and the agents shouldn't have any ability to be in control or in charge because S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't exist. There's no governmental agency for them to be a part of, especially that people could check. So it's like right. they are now at a disadvantage, and as cops, they, like you said, have access to almost anywhere mm-hmm. that they want to be. Because it's funny, because the the woman does too. The woman has just as much access. See, but and does if, she have access because she is like somehow high up in some organization, or is it that mm-hmm. like if you're thinking of it in like D and D terms, is she just kind of like a rogue? Yeah, who just sort of like finds her way in. You know what I mean? Right. I guess. Follow me on this hypothetical. Okay. Theoretically and hypothetically, cops have um, rules that they're supposed to follow, and so oh, if yeah. a cop w- if a cop was to just pull out their gun and try and kill someone, or whatever, or get into a brawl in a kitchen with um, civilians, just like civ- like random civilians, but if you are a a, a white woman in 1930, no one's looking at you. Are you rich? You are. No one's looking at you and no one cares what you do and you can go anywhere. And- Unless it's your husband and he wants to take your new lover uh, hostage and say, take me to my wife. <laughs> and if you talk, I'm going to kill you. And he goes, also my own daughter. If what? I, you're saying if I talk to, pff, what did I just like? I had to shoot you down. Um, no, Damn but it, Freddie. I, you know, the other thing is like, again, I think that this also might have to do with, with records too, right? The other issue on here is that also think of it kind of like the way that you just said too, right? Is. Oh, records. Okay. You're also, you know, if, you know, the white privilege and also of like being a woman during those times where people are kind of not really paying you mind. To, you know, in in situations like this, right? 
you might not ever be able to find out who that woman was. Right. So you're like, okay. I know he has a contact, but we have no clue who it was. So we have to find some other way to stronghold him and keep S.H.I.E.L.D. at bay. So, okay. All right. The, I, I'm, I'm invoking the, we got into something juicy for this 32 second clip that we okay. are now. Juicy. I brought up the TV show Travelers before, I believe, because we've talked, it's a time travel show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a Canadian time travel show. It's very good. Everyone should watch it. It's very good. Um, their thing is they have records of when everyone died to the second. So when they go back in time, they shoot their soul or essence or whatever into the body of someone who historically died right at the moment that they were dying so that they aren't changing anything because this person was going to, was going to die. So they're not altering that person's history because that person's history is over. If they had records that those three police officers got killed in a, you know, a a shootout later that day, it would make sense for the chronic cops to take those cops specifically because no one's going to be, you don't want to take the the mysterious woman's face and she's on the run from the law or she has a mobster boyfriend that you weren't counting on because you you don't know who she is. But if these cops have records of killed in the line, yeah. Then you can know where they are and know when to take them out. Because, you know, you're you're not wrong on that front. Because what I'm also realizing here is that I understand that, like, they always say that the timeline changes when you make a significant change. Right. And I'm not saying that one person's life can't make a significant change. Sure. But I mean, like, hypothetically, not every life might make a difference to the timeline it might make a difference to someone else's life for example for sure but like it's kind of the same thing as like if i choose to eat peanut butter on a bagel versus cream cheese one day that's not going to alter the timeline that's not going to change anything it's about when you make a drastic change right shouldn't the timeline have officially been changed the minute they killed those cops and the people bootlegging unless they were already meant to die Right. So yep. that is, I mean, which is, again, I'm not, you know, changing your point. I am no, agreeing with it. That, I'm that's adding point. to it essentially and saying, yeah, uh, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I had not considered that factor either, or specifically that if they could look ahead and say, these three people's lives were so insignificant, it's not going to make any difference. Right. If and we that's why they have to have over. three of them. And that's why they have to stick together because if, you know, Johnson, Bilson, and Tedson, the cops that they've mm-hmm. taken their place of, um, always, you know, work together. They were part of, you know, the mod right. squad or whatever. Yeah. If all of a sudden there's just one of you is just gone. Yeah. <laughs> like, and the other two and also were killed in the line of duty. Acts yeah. differently, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Because that, yeah. that's a good point too. Because the other thing is like, if you walk into a situation and you say, don't forget to smile, right? And then you do that thing and you do the creepy smile, right? And then let's say the other two are still humans. They go, yeah. they, they look at that, they go, hey, you know, you've never acted that way, Tedson. Yeah. And he's like, thank you for picking whatever the best do you the mean, ones. Johnson? Yeah. You know, I have always been this way. Hey, what is down this alley? Let's go check it out together. Just you and me alone. 
And then he comes back out and he goes, what happened to, what happened to, uh, to Johnson? Thank you so much for asking Bilson. He actually didn't feel well. He saw something that didn't sit right with him. So he went home to rest. You should as well. I'll take care of this. <laughs> like, yeah, why exactly. would I need to leave? I'm not sick. Just go home. Yeah, exactly. I'm pantomiming using the, the dial on a phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, chief got a real issue here. I think Tedson's gone crazy. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Hey, yeah, exactly. chief, so... you know that brutality you've been looking for? <laughs> well, listen to this. And he just holds it up as As Tedson. I have always been, kill him. <laughs> Tedson just starts taking people out. Um. So, okay. So that makes sense that in 2050 mm-hmm. or whatever, the Chronicoms are going through their records and they're like, we want to go back to 31. Who do we have? What records do we have of 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 deaths in 31 we have these three cops okay perfect let's go back to that and take them and then we can get access to this thing where we can kill him here where no one will know this like it's an it's not just we happened upon like you were saying this 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 you know oh wow there are three of us and there's three people here cool what a coincidence it's planned which Mm -hmm. makes more sense because there there's probably for sure way more chronicoms and yeah. and I don't know why I said probably. I mean, I know for sure there's more Chronicoms. So it's probably just there's three people here, so we're sending you three back. Right, exactly. We're going to go look at some other event or whatever. Exactly. We're going to watch you on TV. All right, well, sp- speaking of TV, mm-hmm. oof, ouch, that was a razor-sharp transition. That was good. We're gonna, let's do a quick TV of 1931 with uh, my favorite uh, TV of 1931 so far, a show called The Television Ghost. Now, the name... Like Space Ghost? Coast to Coast type of ghost? Way better. Oh. Um, di- way different. Like the different ghost tone. and poltergeist? The Television Ghost is an American dramatic horror anthology te- television series featuring ghost stories presented by George Kelting as the ghost of various murder victims. Jesus. So it's basically American Horror Story of 1931. That one's fair. I think we can all say that that was sure. that, that was totally fair game. It originally it originally <laughs> aired in New York City on W2AXB, now WCBS TV. Um, there's nothing. It was from August 1931 to February 15th, 1933. Of course, they're all lost. And here's how the the show would go down. The ghosts of murder victims would tell their story. The tell the story of their respective murders. George Kelting was the storyteller and acted as the ghost wearing white makeup and having a towel draped over his head. I'm going to send you a picture in a set. Due to the technical limitations of the time, the visual effects were not impressive. The camera showed only Kelting's head. I'm going to send you a creepy picture, Colin. This this effect, maybe it's just because you know, sometimes the 1930s are, are creepy just because of, you know, mm-hmm. this picture is like, this would give me nightmares. Hold on one second. Oh, great. Yeah, I'm going to give it to you uh, so that you can have nightmares. Yeah, right before bedtime. Great. Yep. Here we go. Hold on. And let's not send it to Tay because she doesn't deserve <laughs> that. Here we go. <laughs> this looks like E.T. and Ebenezer Scrooge's love child. Yeah, no, I can see that. Or Caesar from uh, Planet of the Apes and E.T. Okay. Had a child. I can see that. That's what that was. For sure. Like. Now imagine it's just a guy wearing a sheet with white white makeup on, 
and the picture looks like he's being E.T. Well, you know I feel like is. this would be very creepy. You know what it is? What's that? It's the, hi, prom is coming up. And I'm the ghost of your friend that didn't make it to prom because my boyfriend drunk drove and hit a tree. Oh. And now I'm walking around school all day and I can't say anything but hold this sign that tells you my story. And I'm in all white and with white makeup on to show you that I'm a ghost. I thought you were describing a genre of promposal that I was not aware of because <laughs> promposals were not a thing when I was right. in high school. The ghost of your friend who didn't go to prom because you didn't ask them. So ask them to prom promposal. That's actually pretty good. It's, it's pretty good. Intense. But listen, if you're in theater, it'll fly. They That's said, a tip. They said, hey, don't ghost me. Go to prom with mm -hmm. me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also, I'm a dead person who walks among you. And they're like, Keith. In my soul. Just, just. I keep fucking just, tone it down, buddy. But then he he's going for the goth chick, and she's like, that is so metal. I love it. I will absolutely <laughs> go Keith. They're like, that worked? What the hell? How does Keith have a date and I don't? So anyways, yeah, I, I, th I think that I think that is the best show that I've... Maybe Hints for Swimming ruled, and just, like, everyone's like, let's burn all copies of what this was about because <laughs> the show rules so hard. We're going to keep it from future generations because we're stingy. But... So far, of the TV of 1931, The Television Ghost is my pick for best TV show of 1931. That one is a bit wild, for sure. Yeah. Um, speaking of a bit wild, Ooh. I've got a little thing for you here at the end of the show. Um, normally, we would do something like a recommendation of a show on the network or perhaps our social media. But what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to give a recommendation that is specifically to go check out the merch store on scavengersnetwork.com. I want you to go over there and I want you to check out the store because you will find that there's a couple items for Timeline Scavengers, but you're also going to find that right before this episode drops, uh, we will have just come out of our one-year anniversary, uh, you know, kind of special celebration. Or not one year, I'm sorry. We will just come out of our, uh, our four-year anniversary of the network, sorry. I kind of conflated the show and the network. Um, <laughs> so the network will have just turned four and uh, we're going to have a new piece of merch coming out right before this episode comes out. Uh, James has seen it. It's going to be very fun. You're going to really dig it. It is. Who's Freddy? It's a who's Freddy mug. <laughs> and I think it looks great. I really enjoyed working on this one. And I think it's incredible because I think you're all going to spend time looking at the design and going, can I figure out which Freddy each one of these is? And I can guarantee that there's probably one, maybe two, that most people will never guess. And I'm not going to tell them what they are. Just to be clear, it's going to be completely on you to figure it out. I'm going to take that one to my grave. Um, Ooh, and you know like what else? a lot of hints for swimming. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Check out www.scavengersnetwork.com slash shop and you can check out all the cool things that we've got going on. Things are broken down into categories and uh, there's some great stuff for all the shows, including this one. And uh, with that, that's my call to action. So I think that's the end of the episode. Thank you all so much for joining us here on Timeline Scavengers. 
As always, I'm Colin Parker. And I'm the television ghost, James Anderson. Ooh, Excelsior! The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.